Welcome to Row Bows. Very special guest, Jay Sean Tate, former teammate of mine at the Sydney Kings. Uh, got to work with him for a fantastic year there individually. Um, but wanted to get him on and just discuss, first of all, how he's going with the Houston Rockets, his journey to the NBA, but a little bit about his upbringing. I think this um, this guy has a movie-like story, uh, life story. It's an amazing life story with ups and downs he's gone through. So. I thought the, the listeners would get a really good um, kick out of, out of hearing his journey, not just basketball, but just everything that has made him the person he is today. But anyway, Jay Sean Tate, welcome to Rogue Bogues. Thanks for having me, man. Um, it's been a long time and um, I'm, I'm excited to just, you know, be able to share my story, but also just, you know, connect with you. And, um, you know, I appreciate you uh, letting me come on. No, it's, it's great having uh, someone else other than Pro and myself, right, Pro? Just going, going back and forth. It's nice to get a guest on. Um, Pro, what do you think? Yeah, no doubt about it. Shit, I'm tired of fucking talking to you and you're tired of listening to my fucking American accent. So what the fuck do you want from me? Let's, let's start this up. That's it. All right, so I'm going to wind it back, um, Jay Sean. I want to go through kind of your upbringing in your own words. Um, your father, Jermaine Tate, played for Ohio State. Uh, in 96, 97, before transferring to Cincinnati and playing professionally overseas. So to take us through those memories of, of, of kind of following his journey, I'm not, I'm not sure how much time you spent with him in his uh, basketball career, um, but obviously probably in college and, and all that, not, not a whole lot if you, if you were even born at that point. But I, I guess that, that whole story, um, how, how involved were you with your, your father's career? Yeah, um, I mean, pretty straightforward. Uh, my dad, I'm born and uh, raised in Toledo, Ohio. Um, that's where my dad and my mother are um, originally from. And uh, like you said, he uh, went to Ohio State and um, I, I stayed back with my mother uh, until I was about 10 years old. And um, I lost her um, in, a, in an, uh, you know, unfortunate events. And that's when I actually moved in with my father uh, down in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, at, the, at that time, he had already been playing uh, overseas for some time. But um, yeah, like when he was home, you know, with the overseas career, you're gone 10 months out of the year. So, you know, earlier on when I was younger, I don't really remember a lot, but I do remember that I wanted to be just like him. And I wanted to you know, following his footsteps. I wanted to play basketball, but it wasn't until I lost my mother um, and I had to move in uh, with, you know, my younger siblings is when I really started to play organized basketball. Um, and I was horrible. <laughs> I was uh, a way better football player uh, than basketball player. And um, third grade was the first year I played organized sports. And um it wasn't until about eighth grade I got off the bench for basketball. I was like one of those kids that uh, never took off the shooting shirt, honestly. And um, I'll never forget one game. Um, my dad had uh, brought me in the summer league. We have a, a thing called the hoop. Uh, and it's where all you play the rec games every weekend. It was like a tournament. And uh, I always had a knack for the bar rebounding, but 
I just never would score. Like, I didn't want to score. I didn't have a skill set to score. But one time, I never forget, I got fouled like two times in a row. And I went to the line back to back. I looked at my dad and I was like, this all I got to do? He's like, yeah, keep doing this. So that's where it like really clicked for me that, you know, just being physical and and driving and um, having that footwork that he taught me because, you know, he was 6'10". Um, and he played center in college. And um, so he taught me everything he could. And that's where my footwork comes from. And you mix that with just being physical and some of that football uh, mentality um, and just figuring it out, just pl- actually being able to play. That's when I, you know, began to really figure out the game uh, of basketball. And, you know, I got to I give credit to my father all the time because he was hard on me, not only me, but uh, all of my siblings. And uh, he did a pretty good job because, uh, we all went to college for free. We all got scholarships. And um, it was, I mean, he's done an awesome job, but he is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you need you need that um, kick in the ass, obviously. It's made you who you are today. And I will just say, of course, of course you played football. <laughs> like, of course you played football because anyone that knows you and the way you play, you do have a good mix of, of, of football and basketball. You're physical. You love contact. You're kind of always searching for contact, so it makes sense. But you're, um, you know, when you when you were shocked to get to the free throw line, it was so easy to just get fouled and get easy points. Um, that all makes sense because that's definitely um, a part of your game. I won't touch too much on this, but you know, your story with with losing your mother um, was was you know at the time uh, stabbed by by her then boyfriend and. He was later convicted, you know, of murder, and then having to move in with with your with your father, and, and then raised um, by his stepmom. That's that's you know the, the backstory with that. It, you know, it, it make, makes a note that you know you've I guess you've spoken about you had some somewhat anger issues as a young fella trying to trying to figure out life and, and everything about that. And um, take me through that, like how how hard it was just on a daily basis to kind of find your path to, to, towards where you are now and, and not, not only now, but, you know, Ohio State and going to college and getting a free education? Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, from, you know, a young age, I feel like um, any young, you know, nine-year-old that loses their mother in such a tragic and surprising way um, by someone you thought, you know, cared about you and cared about your family, um, it's going to, you know, have an effect on them. And um, when I moved to Columbus, you know, I wasn't, my mom never, she worked, she worked her ass off. She, you know, put herself through nursing school. She was working double shifts. So I never wanted for anything. Um, But the atmosphere and the setting had changed. I was going to a predominantly all black school um, that really wasn't a great school. Um, I wasn't thinking about sports at that time, you know, that young, um, we really couldn't afford sports. And, um, when I got to Columbus, I was the only black kid in my class and it was just an adjustment period for me. I'm in a, a new home with, you know, I, I know my siblings, but it's, it's not where I grew up. It's not with, you know, the people that, you know, I saw every day. So, um, of course I had some, some, some issues that I had to work through. And, you know, my stepmom, I, I thank her all the time for putting up with all my stuff because, um, I know it wasn't hard. I mean, I, I know it wasn't easy to, uh, have to, you know, take on something like that. Uh, I'm the oldest out of all my siblings and, um, 
they put me through counseling and, you know, it was hard on her because, you know, my dad's overseas 10 months out the year and she had to, you know, make sure that I was taken care of. And um, it wasn't until I was about 12 years old when I really had to, you know, understand that I had to be the man of the house. You know, I was doing my little sister's hair. I was making dinners. I was making sure we got on the bus to go to school. And 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 when I started driving, I'm picking people up from practice. So I think that's where my maturity came from. It's just that um, I, I had to. I didn't have a choice to because, you know, I wanted to make sure that I was a great role model for my for my siblings and that I wanted to be the first one to, you know, get to the top level and and, and make them see that it's possible. And um, Ohio State was a great pick for me uh, just because it gave me even more of that structure. Um, you know, I, I chose Ohio State because my father went there. Um, it was right down the street from where I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. I was 15 minutes from campus, never left Ohio, never wanted to leave Ohio until I did. And um, my high school coach actually coached my dad at Ohio State as well. So um, he took over when I was in high school. and We won a state championship. Uh, me, Karis LeVert uh, was on that team. And um it was just only right. You know, I was the number one player at this time coming out of um, Ohio. And, um, you know, I wanted to be that hometown hero. But Ohio State really, um, it really tested me. You know, that first year I, ha- I was coming off a shoulder injury and nobody told me about diet. You don't think about diet in, in, uh, when you're in high school. I-, I came in at 250 pounds. Like, you know, my playing weight before then was 200 pounds. And <laughs> I didn't even realize I was that big until one day I went up there to shoot. And uh, and uh, the football coaches, Luke Fickle, who's the head coach at, at Cincinnati, he came up to me like, son, you ever thought about playing defensive tackle? <laughs> I was like, I was like, defensive tackle? What you mean, man? I, I'm a hooper, you know. If anything, I play linebacker. And then uh, my coach, I walked in a few minutes later. He's like, "Man, you gotta you lose some weight. Like you're huge." And when I got there, dog, when I tell you, like, mentally, college really helped me become who I was because it it made me go through thresholds that I didn't know I could get through. I used to wake up every Sunday. Worried about Wednesday, 6 a.m. mile run. <laughs> every every Sunday night, man, I didn't get sleep for two days knowing that I was going to wake up at 5 in the morning to go run this mile in Ohio weather, cold. And it took everything out of me to finally make it. I made it on the last try. I cried when I crossed that line. But that's when, you know, my mental threshold was really... Um, I really knew I could go another way and I'll never forget that. And I always thank my coaches uh, for that as well. Were you, were you, what positions did you play in high school? Were you generally a four, three, four, or did you kind of mix it up? Uh, You know, I was a lot bigger than <laughs> most of the, the, uh, the other high, especially locally, you know, over mm-hmm. here in um, America, we have AAU. So those are where, you know, the, real athletic, talented players are. Um, but so in high school, I ran like 
kind of how I do now. Like I, I'm getting the rebound, I'm pushing a break, um, I'm taking most of the shots. But in AAU, I play pretty much the four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's all changed today. You're the prototype of positionless basketball, the way the league's going. But um, I mean, the reason why I brought up, I wanted to bring out your background just to start this off. You know, I didn't want to be on a negative note, is because. Like I believe you have you have every excuse you had every excuse for things you know not to pan out how they have you had every excuse to to you know be a victim um, and one thing about you spending a year with you is the amount you smile um, on a daily basis um, you know I, when I first met you and, and and getting to know you I would never have known this was your backstory right like I'd never I thought you would have had like a solid upbringing, um, really stable, you know, all that kind of stuff because who you were as a person was, like I said, I was like, this dude smiles every day. (laughs) Like no matter what's going on, even when he's like talking about how sore his legs are from playing 38 minutes before, he's like smiling while he's telling it. And I'm like, wow, like, you know, if people knew knew his story and and it's just it's just amazing. So that, that's why I want to bring that up because I think you have you know you you light up the room. People enjoy being around you. We we loved having you as a teammate um, for the one year we had you, and I think it's just a testament you know to who you are as a person. That yeah, you have had some trials and tribulations, but for everyone listening, you know, that's making excuses. Like if anyone could make had a right to make an excuse, it'd be you. You know what I'm saying? Like I think it's a really good story. Yeah. Um... You know, my whole mindset, you know, is that like I've been through, you know, so much, you know, traumatic experiences that, you know, I'm just grateful, especially to be able to play a game, you know, for a living, you know, like at the end of the day, like that's that's what makes me happy is that like I'm able to do something I really love and I always wanted to like I've been saying I wanted to be here since I was four years old. You know, I was saying that I wanted to make sure that, you know, I was a, a super role model for my for my my siblings. And I, I was that. And, you know, I'm just always happy because I've set goals for myself and I've seen every goal that, you know, I fall I've fallen short a couple of times on some things and I'm not there yet. But majority of the goals that I set, like I work my butt off, I work my ass off to get there and that's why I smile because it's like, sh- what, what's next? You know, like I'm, I'm ready for it because I've been through so much. That was great. It's a great attitude to have. Um, I just think it's, it's a, like I said, I think you, when it's all said and done, that they could, you know, your book, I hope you write a book one day or, or, or retell your whole story. Cause I think it's, it's an amazing story and it's, it's, it's a movie script to an extent, but um, just capping off a higher state. I mean, you were the, Epitome of consistency throughout your career. You, you finished um, with with career numbers of eleven point seven points, six rebounds, and just under two assists. Um, your career year was probably your third year was your career year as far as numbers go: fourteen point three and six point four a night. Um, but I mean, just the, the beacon of consistency there. Uh, the four year stint, obviously, at, at a really well noted, prestigious basketball school uh, and football for that matter, but basketball, hard nosed guys that play hard and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that was good. I'll just run through, you know, just for our listeners. You then you then go undrafted. You um, you go to summer league and you get hurt, and then you go off to the Antwerp Giants, Antwerp to Antwerp Giants, right? Um, in the Belgian league, 
Um, not very well noted by most people around the world. I, I don't know much about the Belgian league, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think you probably knew a whole lot about it, neither. Uh, you go on to be an all-star there. You, you put up some pretty big numbers. Uh, first Belgian Cup title in 12 years. Um, in 42 league games, you averaged 10, 4, and 2. And then 13, 5.6 and 1.6 in their, in their league, in their BCL games, um, which I assume is a cup. Um, but I mean, talk us through going from, like you just said that your goal was always to get the NBA. When you left Ohio State to go and play in Belgium, um, number one, I'm pretty certain you probably didn't know much about Belgium basketball and all that. Did you think the NBA door was, was potentially you know, closed considering you're going to a really low league that not many people know about. And just, just talk us through the journey of, of getting to Belgium and, and how that, that helped you. Yeah. Um, like just to take it back a little, um, a little farther, because I think it's important to know, like I coming out of Ohio state, um, you know, I had a lot of question marks, even though I, I was an all conference player, uh, you know, left records and all that. I'm thinking coming out, Oh, I'm gonna have a couple of draft picks. I mean, uh, draft workouts, and you know, I, I I just need the opportunity to prove myself. Like that, it is what it is. I just want to prove myself, and um, I actually didn't have any workouts. Nobody called. Um, no agents called. Uh, except but Jay Sean, you didn't have an agent at all coming into the free draft process. Like, take us through that a little bit, if you don't mind. Like, yeah. agents calling nothing. Like, you you yeah. were on your own with all this. So I had like two, three agents called. So one agent was just literally, he talked to every single guy <laughs> that was coming out. Every single guy. I would oh, ask, yeah. like, did you talk to, oh yeah, yeah, I talked to him. Oh yeah. Like literally he talked to every single senior that was coming out. So I knew right there, red, red flag. Another yeah, one, sure. another one, like uh, he called me, he's like, look, I got a deal for you. Like, I'm not going to lie. I have all these clients. Like, this is what I could do for you. You're probably not going to get anything else, um, but you only have a day or two to decide. I'm like, what? Like, I I didn't even meet you. I don't even know what you look like. And the agency, uh, the the last one, didn't even have a name. And um, (laughs) this is a pretty good story, though, because I actually went with this guy because Mm. he, like, I just genuinely, like, felt like he was, a great guy, a great dude. And, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of op- options in here, but I knew this dude was going to work his butt off for me. And, um, it would be great if you guys got him on the, on the podcast, but his name's EJ Kuzner. He actually, uh, played a, uh, a year in, uh, Australia, I think in the second division, but, um, now we have, well, now he has, uh, turned his, you know, agency into beyond, um, they're representing, you know, about five or six NBA guys, uh, a lot of overseas guys and, and G League guys. So, and it's only been three years since they've been in the agency. And um, I just went with this dude and just to see the growth and be a part of it, it's, it's been pretty awesome. And uh, back to my story, um, he find, I go with this guy, EJ, and, you know, he's just he's just a guy that has, you know, a couple connections. So he made some calls and I went into my first pre-draft workout was with Denver. Uh, actually, Utah. It was Utah Jazz. Mind you, anybody who's ever, you know, played or been to Utah, you go there 
you're not going to be able to breathe <laughs> in this, mm-hmm. like, like because of the elevation level. So I'm dying. <laughs> First pre-draft, I don't need, I don't even know what to expect, but I go. Like, I have to hop on the plane the next morning. Like, whatever, I'm going. And, uh, you know, I had a pretty decent one. And, uh, you know, word, word travels around the league. And, you know, I got a couple more after that. This is the last week of leading up to the draft. So it's basically about this time right now because the draft's in a, in a few days. So I go from there. I, I go back home, well, to Indiana where I'm um, working out at the time. Um, I drive to the Chicago workout um, because a guy gets hurt. I drive four hours. I get a rental. I drive there. I kill the workout. Kill it. Um, the next day I go to Milwaukee. I absolutely crush it before, before it's over. They, uh, they're like, you do, we, we got to get you on summer league. We got to. So I go with Milwaukee on summer league and, uh, I had a pretty good, you know, mini little summer league camp. Like the coaches are saying great things. I'm getting positive feedback. I'm thinking I'm going to play the last, uh, day before summer league. Uh, my, my teammate, uh, Sterling Brown. He broke my finger, swiping out a ball. Yeah. I'm like, sheesh, what now? This is, at the time, I had had five surgeries the last five years. I had surgery every year from senior year of high school to my first year out of, uh, of, of um, college. So I'm like, dang, I, I didn't survive two shoulder surgeries, an ankle you know, appendix one year and now my finger, like, dang, I'm, I'm right here. They're telling me I'm going to play. So yeah, that was, that was a real tough, that was one of my toughest moments, you know, in my life because it was like, I worked so hard to get there and I felt like I got right in front of it and couldn't play. And, um, you know, Milwaukee, uh, you know, the Lisa, it's a, it's a messed up, it's a messed, it's, it's a business, man. So, you know, the coaches are in the G League, GM, oh, we love you. We're going to bring you to camp. You know, you're going to fight for a two-way. All that did not happen. So I'm waiting around for, you know, a Talker. couple of weeks. And they're like, oh, it's still logistics. We're going to send it over. Like, we, we want you. We like you. And, you know, it got to be like three weeks later. And they're like, oh, we ran out of roster spots. Not going to work. At this time, I'm turning down offers thinking, you mm-hmm. know, I'm going to have my shot. And um, I'll never forget, I was actually uh, visiting some friends up in in New York. Um, And thank God I I brought my passport, but my my agent called and was like, "Um, you got a tryout in Antwerp, Belgium, (laughs) but you got to leave tomorrow. I'm like, tomorrow? Like, dang, I I don't even get to say bye to my my family. Like, I got to leave from New York. Like, this is crazy. I'm about to, I've never been out the country at this point. And, uh, but I had to do it because, uh, so not even guaranteed, was, like not even guaranteed being a, no, not even guaranteed. It was going. either go, go, it was either go over there for a tryout for 4,000 a month, or I was going to play second division in Israel for about 3K a month, 2,500 to 3K. And I was like, shoot, hey, that's the best I got. That shoot, I got to go. So I hopped on a plane. And um, as soon as I, I just got to Belgium and uh, they were trying to qualify for Champions League and they'd never been in it. And I hit the ground rolling, dog. Like, <laughs> I think in that Champions League's playoff, I averaged like 20 and 11. 
Like they're like, oh, we're keeping him. Uh, so they locked me in for the year. I was probably like one of the lowest paid players on the team. Um, and we got all the way to the final four and uh, lost to the team that won it. So, you know, it was a good year. And um, that was one of, that was a great team, man. That was a great, uh, that was a great experience for me because it, it really showed me how to play basketball. You know, it like the, over here, it was more like, I'm just athletic. I'm better than you. And it, it, college is different, but overseas, I really actually, the game slowed down and I, and I started to learn how to, you know, play the game within the game. So like, that's where I feel like Belgium really helped me get to where I was. And um, I actually got confident in shooting the ball there as well, too. Yeah. So did you think you'd, what was your mindset as far as the NBA now that you're, like I said earlier, you're in, you're in the Belgian league, not a very well-known league, not really Euro league, not on TV. Um, were you like, I got to grind it out here and then hopefully go on to bigger and better things? Or were you like, look, the, the NBA is kind of a distant memory right now. Let me, let me knuckle down here in Europe and make a name for myself. What was your mindset there? So, you know, my mindset at that point is uh, sh- just try to, I'm I'm trying to get back to the league, but I'm having such a great time here. Like I'm trying to just make the best out of the opportunity I have, you know, and I never forget we were in Russia and um, we were playing. Um, I can't remember his name right now, but anyways, we were talking about Australia and like, it's the middle of the, of the champions league season. And he's like, man, I played in Australia and it was it was the best time of my life and all this. I literally called my agent that night like, we need to try to figure out how to get me to Australia because I'm hearing things about it and I'm going to need that. So, so like, it, it was just like, it was like crazy because he was like, well, that's really a, a, a hard league to get in. They don't really like undersized forwards, but I'm, I'll try to see what we do. And after Belgium, uh, I got a couple calls for from summer league team uh, from some teams for summer leagues. I had Milwaukee, um, but because of that whole situation, I'm, like, I'm not going there. And so I, I ended up going with Denver, and I thought I killed it, man. Like I, I felt like I played great. You know, I made all my shots. I, I shot the ball well. Um, they ended up keeping, you know, one of their drafting stash players um, over me and, and, and let me go. But then I had uh, a couple offers from Brisbane and um, and Sydney, and I had to make a decision to either, you know, try to fight for a two-way spot or go over here. And, you know, that that comes up. I, I see LaMelo Balls going over there. I see RJ Hampton, uh, Didi. I'm like, man, that's going to have a lot of buzz and I'm just not a G League player. Like I knew and at no point in my career I was going to play in the G League. Like that's just something I was like from day one, we're not doing that. I don't want to even go down there because I don't feel like I'll, it'll benefit me. And so that's that's where I, you know, made a decision to go to Sydney um, to play with you. Really. I, I never forget. I, I uh, will uh, put you on the phone. Uh, with me and I'm like, dang! I just got off the phone with Andrew Bogut. Like, like people don't understand. Like, coming up, like that's you don't people don't get to do that. And 
um, once I saw that op- opportunity, I had to I had to go, and it was one of the best years of my life to this day. Yeah, we we uh, I remember it vividly. We had um, we had OKU before you got there. We we made the semifinals and got swept by Melbourne United. Um, we had an issue with we had David Ware at the time, who was a good shooter, but I felt like we needed an active four man. Um, we were we were budget crunched at that point, just with the way our salary cap was. We didn't have a lot of room for a, a, an expensive import, um, and I remember. They reached out to me and, and and your name came up. I didn't know a whole lot about you. You did some research and and, we'll, and then they're like, he's 6'4". I'm like, what do you mean he's 6'4"? <laughs> you know, I was going to play the four. And I did some research and um, what sold – it was hard to get films, hard to get all that. Um, but what sold me was as soon as I heard you were the captain of Ohio State, I was like done. Um and and why 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 that sold me was I knew you'd be high character based on that. Like I know I know if you're at a higher state and you're the captain, like you're not a shithead. You're probably a team first guy. I looked at your numbers; they weren't like you know you weren't a high volume shooter or putting up massive numbers. You were consistent. It looks like you did whatever you were asked. And I was like, you know what? Like th- this fits in with what we need. We needed a guy kind of next to me at the four that was active that could switch one through four, one through five when we go small. And that's how that all worked out. Um, and then, yeah, I know, I know there were a few other teams uh, reaching out, but you know, Will was like, "Really want this guy? Can really help us?" And then, and then I remember you came over, and um, yeah, it was the rest is kind of history, I guess. But um, I remember you came over. I think you had your struggles early on shooting the ball from three, like we were, because we obviously needed someone to shoot at the four spot with the way our offense ran for the most part under Will. And I think Will was obviously, you can talk about it later, was great for you, giving you that confidence. But a bit of a shaky start at the preseason. I think you you showed flashes of athleticism in the, the, I think it was the NBL Blitz, but just struggling to buy a three ball. And um, that's kind of how our relationship started. And I think it it was exactly what we needed on the squad at that time. I mean, your numbers... In Sydney, real quick, um, 16, two assists, six rebounds, um, all NBL first team. I mean, you were you were our team MVP. You were you were a huge integral part of what we did. We could go smaller lineups, which is what I love. Get me out of the game, sit my old ass down for a bit, put you at the five. It just caused all kinds of matchup problems. And I think, um, you know, going back to you being six four. You know, you just played above your size. I compare you to you know the the NBL's version of Draymond Green um, because. You do whatever was asked. You could guard. You know, you'd be switched on on a, on a ball or a Hampton at times, uh, one through four switches, and and you wouldn't take a back step. You were quick enough, strong enough. And then the funniest shit in our league was you were six four and just absolutely bullying. Pro, this dude would bully six ten, two fifty guys <laughs> in the post. Like that, that he'd end up with a five man switch on him, and he'd start backing him down. And you're just like, at the start, you're like, what are you doing? You're six four, and he would just. He'd put him in the basket, and he's six four. It was just like it was. It was quite funny to watch. Um, but that's kind of for our listeners of, of how our story started. And, and then obviously, you know, you came over. Um, talk about you know how you how you enjoyed and how you um, really lived here in Australia, and, and how Will Weaver was was an integral part of, of I guess you growing as a basketball player and getting your confidence. Yeah, um, it's just it was funny, man, because when I got off the plane. Uh, Smitty was there, uh, the owner, and he uh, he looked at me. He's like, "Oh my god, this dude's short." He's like, "Wow, you're really short." And I'm like, "Oh dang!" He would have told you too. He would have told you to your face. (laughs) So he did. He was like, "Wow, I was expecting you to be a lot bigger." 
And I was like, whoa, okay. But everybody been saying that my whole life, man. So it's like, all right, okay, that's fine. And like my experience in Australia, man, I I absolutely loved it. And I'm going to go back. I don't know when. Um, I would love to, you know, after my NBA career uh, is coming to an end is to go back. Like my dream is to just go back and, you know, play a couple seasons there because, you know, y'all, y'all, y'all play until you about 40 if you want to in the NBL. Like that's, that's one thing I'll say about the NBL is that it prepared me for the league. Like the way we were practicing, um, having veterans on my team, uh, you know, you, Lish, it was just like, it was great for me. It was great. You know, um, I've never been on a team with, you know, guys that have, you know, done done so many great things in their career um, and someone I could learn from. And that was the best part of being there is just being able to learn from so many older guys who have had success. And it really helped me. Um, and our style of play as well uh, really prepared me, especially being with the Rockets and having Will Weaver uh, come across with me uh, was just it was just great because we were running the same thing. And I just felt like I had a, you know, a step ahead of all the, you know, up and coming new guys trying to make their way in the league. It's just because I have, I had been doing it for a season and um, man, I, I cried when I left. I mean, that when, when our season ended, like, and I had to go home, um, you know, there was some, some talks about maybe signing a three-year deal and I'm like, Oh, take it. I'm not going nowhere. I don't even forget COVID. I'm going to be here. Like, my agent literally had to talk me off um, a cliff from from coming home, and he's like, "No, I just need you to give the give the NBA one more shot." I'm like, "I'm not playing another summer league, man. Like, I'm I'm twenty, I'm twenty four at this point. Like, I'm I'm old. Like, I'm good in Australia. I love it here. Like, this is where I want to be." And there was some long nights. I remember being up three in the morning arguing with him about that. But that just shows how great of a league and, and great. Sydney is to their players, man. I mean, we have billboards. Like, I'm telling my grandparents and my people, but I got billboards around the city. Like, that's that just like that feeling and, and that love and that appreciation. Like, you don't get that, you know, unless you're a top guy, you know, over here. And, you know, I'm working towards that. But the love that I got in Sydney was just uh, it was like no other. And, you know, I'm so happy that they got that championship. And um, I hope they're celebrating that and just being able to see success from, you know, um, our older and former teammates is is pretty awesome. Yeah, no doubt. And and I think, you know, <clears throat> as much as we hated losing you um, and we hate losing great players, you've gone on to bit, bigger and better things, which we support. Um, but I want to take you back to, I guess, the start of the season. We were all settling in with each other. Uh, we played Illawarra early in the season. I don't know if you remember this. Um, the sellout game against the Mellow Ball, we had 18,000 at Kudos. It was packed to the rafters. Um, I don't know if you remember this whole moment, but I thought as a, as a team we played we played kind of selfishly. I think we got lost in the moment of 18,000 people. We, we, we didn't play kind of team-type basketball. I was pissed. Like we, we won that game, I think. it was a, yeah, We won the game closely. But I was I was visibly pretty pissed off with, with everyone and myself and coaches. I'm like, no, we need we need to be better than this. This is bullshit, you know. Um, do you remember that? 
Yeah, so, I remember it vividly. Yeah, so um, you came up to me the next day, which is you know when I when I obviously uh, think I had much more respect for you as a young fella, and you could see that I was pissed, and I was, and you came up to me and you're like, "Hey man, what's up?" And I said, "Look, we we bullshitted yesterday," and I remember the conversation um, at Auburn at practice. You're like, "Dude, like let me, let me know what I need to do. We I understand we we need to be better. What do I need to do? What do you need from me?" And we kind of had that open dialogue. Um, the very next day and I think that was very important for our journey for where we were going to um, to get into a grand final and trying to be one of the best teams in the league and I guess that's when my respect level for you grew and um, I think that that really made me feel comfortable around this you know this guy's going to be something not only in the NBL but he's got a chance to be an NBA player he doesn't take himself too seriously he understands his role Um, he can have those tough conversations so yeah, I don't know if you remember that that moment too much as much as I do, but I think it was a, a turning point between not just our relationship. I think I don't think we had a bad relationship, but we didn't know each other at that point. And I was like, like who the fuck's this kid? He's been here two, two three weeks, like coming right up to me and, and not going at me, but like, hey man, what do we need to do? And I was like, after it, I was like, that was that was really cool. Yeah, nah, definitely. Because I mean, you you know it, but like you know, we look up to you, man. And you know, I came to Sydney. For a reason. I came because I wanted to win. I came because I felt like that roster, we had the best team in the league. And you've won championships at the highest level. And that's just something that, you know, I don't know how to do yet. So it's just like, all right, I got to really just ask this dude what needs to be done because he's done it before. He's done it at a higher level than all of us. So he knows what it takes, you know? Yeah, the coaches are going to be the coaches, but this dude really has the experience and he knows what it takes. And, you know, I don't want to waste, I didn't want to waste time because, you know, that that season's only 28 games. That goes fast. It's not a lot of time to, you know, like you said, bullshit. And especially against the the Hawks. I mean, they were horrible. <laughs> and um, yeah, like just little things like that. We're we're just like my wake up call to like okay this is this is really you know like a man's game you know this is really there's more to it you know yeah we won the game but it was more to it and you know it it helped me mature like you really helped me just become you know a leader you know over here I'm dealing with the same thing like we bullshit too much sometimes just because of our our youngness and um, it's just something that you know, we have to work on, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, being over there and then being in Belgium really gave me the tools and, and being a captain of Ohio state to, you know, turn this thing around. Yeah, definitely makes sense. Pro, what do you got? No, nothing. I mean, obviously you had such a sort of vast basketball experience going into it. I mean, Jason, it's, it's unbelievable how like they treat you when they don't think you're an NBA player. I'm talking about, agents and people in basketball and then you become an NBA player like and then you get treated a little bit differently especially when they know you're going to stick like did you get that feeling you know sort of like right out of Ohio State trying to make it and then when you sort of turn the corner knowing that you're going to be an NBA player so did the other basketball world like did you notice you were getting treated a little bit differently like yeah these doors like Every time I tried to get something or, you know, someone to help me, doors were like closed, beyond closed. Now that I'm going to make it, people are sort of a lot, 
you know, a lot easier to try to help you. Did you notice any of that coming on? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of weird. It's like with certain things, yes, but I mean, as my career, as I started to grow in my career, I started to, you know, want stuff at another level. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There's now there's there's doors I'm trying to get in, still trying to get in. You know, it's it's kind of just like there's always another level and there's always mm-hmm. um a room that you want to be in. You know what I mean? And you know, I don't really think about, you know, what I have now. I know it's a blessing what I have now, but I'm still hungry. I'm still mm-hmm. trying to get that next thing. I'm trying to get that next contract. I'm trying to win that next game. And um, that's just always how I, I've carried myself. And so, like, yeah, to answer your question, it's like, of course, like, there's always going to be people that, you know, don't believe in you. And I feel like mm-hmm. when I got to the NBA, um, it was kind of put on a bigger platform. So there's even more people that don't believe in you. You know, there's mention you're getting mentions every day about how much you suck and uh, you should be traded and and stuff like that. But um, I don't try to, you know, pay attention to that because I'm trying to prove myself right. Um, So far I have. Before you got to Sydney, you you did play like a year in summer league. You played for like Denver, right? With the Nuggets in Vegas. How mm-hmm. how was that experience? Because again, this is before you made the NBA, so you didn't really have that name, you know, before that. Like, how was mm-hmm. that experience in summer league as far as how not you were treated, but like how much you played versus how much of a focal point you were with all their other younger players that they were trying to, you know, sort of showcase and things. Mm-hmm. Did you did you feel as though you were a part of it, or did you feel as though you were sort of like in another group? You know what I'm saying? Like you know, because that players sort of go through that in their summer league experience. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it it's kind of just weird because it's always the same. It's like my playing career is the same story over and over again. I come in, you know, like I'm, you know, 13th to 14th off the bench. And by the end of it, I'm starting. And mm-hmm. so like, that's kind of just how that whole summer league experience went. You know, the first couple games, you know, they threw me in there and I started to do do productive stuff that impacted winning. And, you know, by the end of it, I was starting and, you know, I was I was having pretty good games, putting up, you know, similar numbers to what I average now. And um, I, I've always thought that I'm just a player. If you give me enough time out there, I'm going to impact the game and I just need an opportunity. And uh, Denver gave me the opportunity. They still tell me to this day how much they love me and how they, you know, but you know, it is what it is. It's a business. And, um, but that, that platform they gave me and that, that opportunity they gave me really, you know, helped me get here because without getting that opportunity there, I wouldn't have got to be able to play in Sydney and got to be able to, you know, be seen even more by NBA scouts. No, no. I, I do remember his dad though. Um, I coached AAU in Boston and I remember his dad coming to Ohio. I remember that Ohio state team he was on. And then the Cincinnati team that he transferred to Bogues with Kenyon Martin and DeMar Johnson and all those guys, mm-hmm. they were, they were pretty, they were pretty entertaining group, man. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Kenyon Martin, him and my dad were, you know, like great, like best friends in college when they played together and me and his son play together here now. So it's how about it's a small that? That's right. Yeah, geez, full yeah, circle. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's yeah, small world, small world. Yeah, yeah, that's can, cool. Yeah, they can sit courtside and and talk smack about both of you. Um, you, you then go 
<clears throat> obviously from, from the NBL, that all finishes up. You, you get a gig at Houston. Will Weaver goes over there. Obviously, a big part of getting you there as well. You sign a three one of those one of those three year deals we love to see pro where they <laughs> where, where the yeah. team has all the all the leverage the old San Antonio three year non guarantee after non guarantee sure, but man. but you're still there um, you know you don't play a lot early on you're kind of trying to find your way like you just said your story's been kind of the same everywhere you've gone and then you just come out of nowhere obviously you guys weren't weren't that good so you got you got to at least get into a rotation. They're like, hey, let's give this this guy a chance. He hasn't played that much. And and, and you take that with two hands. I mean, you finish the season at 11.3 uh, points a night, five rebounds, two assists, you know, one and a half steals. But the thing that uh, I thought was the next stage for your game and something you're still probably working on, uh, we can discuss that later, is, was, was, was your jumper and the three ball. Um, you know, I, I feel like whenever you – knock down a three or two, especially early in a game, especially with us in Sydney, it just changed the whole dynamic of your game because then all of a sudden you have you have you know defenders trying to close you out a little bit more and I think it just opened up the realm of your game. Whereas if you haven't knocked one down or you're 0 for 3, 0 for 4, it, it changes the way as how aggressive you could be because they close you out short. They could dare you to make one first. But I mean, your two years, your, your best two shooting years of your career have been in the NBA, <laughs> which is, you know, you go from Ohio State, you know, um, even free throws, you know, 50% three, free throw shooter. Um, you, had a, you had one year at Ohio State, your, your senior year where you shot at 30% but not on volume. Now you're in the NBA and I mean, you know, you're, you're shooting the ball confidently. It looks great. It looks like you believe it's going in. Um, was that just a matter of the spacing, the flow, putting more time in um, another off-season between the NBL and Houston, um, getting that confidence back or just something that something finally clicked where you're like, hey, I'm just going to shoot this thing? Um, a little of both. I think that, you know, growing up, I, I just didn't have to. You know, I didn't have to shoot. Like, I felt like I could get to my left hand whenever I, I wanted to. And, you know, as, you know, you get older and, um, you know, people start to put you higher up on the scouting report, it gets harder. And, you know, I I'd never wanted that to, you know, cripple not only my game, but the team, because, you know, there, there are, you're going to have bad shooting nights, but um, it's like you said, when I'm making shots, the offense, the team is just moving at a totally different pace. And I never wanted to feel, you know, like I let the team down because there, I can't make shots, you know? So I just been, I just been working my butt off and it, it, it comes with confidence. It comes with reps and um, I think the Rockets have done a great job from top to bottom and just feeding the confidence in me. They really don't give a damn. Like, as long as you shoot it confident, shoot the shot, you know, um, because I'm not a guy who's going to settle. I'm never, I've never been a guy who, who, who liked the gun. And, you know, sometimes uh, I, I, I remember Will Weaver when we uh, were over in Sydney uh, at the end of, the year we would have to run sprints. I don't even know if you, you know, you you will only practice like once a week, <laughs> so, once, a, once a month, hey, once a fucking month, once a month. Let's, um, but um, if I didn't take a three in in the drill, the whole team was running. Like, if you don't, if Jayshon doesn't get a three, then the whole team runs. And just to have a coach like really just it wasn't even make right. It was just take. It was just take. no, yeah. just take, just mm-hmm. take. He was yeah. just like, dude, you have to take more. 
Like you're shooting this much, but you're only taking two a game. You just have to shoot more. And it kind of clicked last year when, well, two years ago when I got to the NBA, like all these guys are shooting 10, 12, 15 threes a game. They're only making four, you know, five of them, you know, like I just got to take more to make more. And um, that's kind of like where, you know, I feel like my percentages went up. It's like, you're not going to take, like, it's literally back to the drawing board. You're not, you don't miss the shots you don't take. And um, once I figured that out, I'm still, it's still a work in progress, but I'm definitely more confident than ever. And I think I'm going into my best year. Yeah, no, it was, it was noticeable. It was definitely noticeable. Um, you know, came out of nowhere, one of the best rookies in the league. I um, mean, just an amazing story considering, considering um, your journey. I mean, we've had this question from a few fans and, I'll kind of ask the same kind of thing, but obviously the the journey you've taken from college to Europe to Australia to the NBA, um, do you think it's immensely helped your overall game? Uh, just being able to to play a, a, such a contrast of style, going from Euro Euro style basketball where it's real fundamental, um, real X's and O's, and execute to the NBL under Will Weaver, which was a mix of both. Like we had to execute at times, but it was free flowing. To now Houston. Um, where you can just play. Do you think those styles are being valuable to to who you are? Yeah, a hundred percent. At every at every stop, it was a different style of play. Um, you know, Big Ten basketball showed me how to be a defender. Just if anybody watched Big Ten basketball, it's the most boring basketball on the planet. Like they're gonna duck in the post. It's gonna be physical all game. The score is gonna be fifty to fifty five at the end of the game. <laughs> So, and then going to Australia, I mean, uh, to, to Europe and just going, being able to play against these different countries and really like, wow, every country plays really different. Like Spain, you got these guards that are just so crafty with the ball. Just they're throwing it between your legs. They're throwing it between two of y'all legs, their legs, but behind the back, like they're just running around. And, and then, you know, Germany is just so physical, man. Like, they got big, just giant human beings over there, and you just got to deal with them in um, all different types of countries. Um, and then go- going to Australia and just being able to play in a, a like the arenas in Europe are um, a lot different than what people expect. They're like there were some arenas. There's a cycling uh, track around it. There's some arenas where. <laughs> Uh, there's, uh, it's like you in a hockey game. They got fences around the bench because people throwing stuff on you. There's fire in the stands. It's, it's, it's like nothing I've, it's more like a soccer game than a basketball arena over there. Whereas when I, when we were in Australia, it was just more of a, like a NBA feel, man. Like it was just like, dang, this is really a huge stage. Like I really felt like I was in the NBA before I was like, there were some games in Australia that sold out more than, you know, my times in the NBA. So, um, and then just going to the NBA and just seeing, okay, there's really good players. And then there's these dudes that I don't even know what you would call them. Like playing against Steph is one of the crazy ex- experiences I've ever had to do in my life because on TV, like, people don't realize, like, he shoots fast, but it's nothing like trying to guard that. 
Like he's not looking at the rim and and seeing KD and playing with James and John, like just playing with all these like elite basketball players. It's like, okay, there's another level to this. And just being able to take the the floor with them, you know, four or five times a week is is just you're gonna see something crazy every night. You're gonna see something that you never saw before. And that's the name of the game, man. That's awesome. Like when you wake up knowing that, all right, tonight is going to be a great experience. Then, you know, like, like I said, we got the best job in the world. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and Steph just having a experience, people just think that, look, Steph's one of those guys that I've always said he, um, he just has it as well. Like he has it. Like he'll, this dude will pick up a dart for the first time and, and he'll hit the bullseye within four shots. He's one of those guys that just has the hand-eye coordination. But he puts a lot of fucking time in. Like people don't see that. People don't. People think, oh, he's super talented. He's a freak. But he puts a lot of time in mixed in with the talent that he has. Um, and yeah, just his ability to do it off the dribble. Um, it's, it's one thing to catch and shoot quickly, but – I'm sure you'd notice when you got switched on him a few times, uh, JT, when, you, <laughs> when you're shitting yourself because you know this dude's just going to do something silly or do a step back or get you off your feet and draw a foul and shoot free throws. And it's just, um, yeah, those, those guys are on another level. But, but Steph's, you know, he, he goes down as one of the best all time. Pro, Pro doesn't think so yet. I'm trying, to get him, I'm trying to get him in the top 10 all time. But Pro's got a good point about who, who do you take out. I mean, who the fuck do you knock out? Yeah, it's tough. Listen, what, what more do you want from him? Like what more? What more can we ask? Oh no! Look! Oh no! He's a fantastic fucking player, and probably one of the top players in our game, without doubt. Problem is when you go okay, top ten of all time, and then you get like okay, you get your MJ's and your Kobe's and your LeBrons and your Will Chamberlains and your you know Bill Russells and Larry Bird's. Like now you sort of like okay, that's great. Put him in the top ten, but who are you knocking out? Because those guys are some heavy hitters just like he is. So, mm-hmm. and everybody's got a different opinion and I'm not saying he isn't. I'm just saying, who are you going to knock out? Like without question. Tim Duncan's in there out. as well. KG. Yeah. 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 yeah it, it's just hard. You know, the only reason why I think that people that that's even a, a debate is because he didn't hit the ground running. You know what I'm saying? Like he, I don't know what it was, but what it took him like three, four years to average over what twenty points or something like that. Yeah, and, yeah, it's um, and be the number one guy. He had Monte Ellis there for a number of years that was yeah. taking all the shots. I mean that, but but that's the only reason that I could see why people have a debate because you know most of these these greats, these guys, they they hit the ground running as soon as they was in the league. They made an impact and but small school as well. I just, yeah, and so so like. But when we talk about impacting the game, man, I really believe that we play the game the way we do now because of him, you know? And that's that's crazy. Like, you know, there's only a few players that have changed the game of how you play. You know, Jordan, Bron, Magic, and Steph. Like, those like those are the my five that you haven't seen it before. You know what I mean? But um, so that's why I put them in the top 10. I don't know who what the, the order is. And of course, uh, mm-hmm. like you said, is up to debate. But that's 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 what I got on that. Sweet. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. All right. Um, what's a, what give me the what's the best thing about being in the NBA for you? First and the 15th. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, oh, yeah. that could be it. 
<laughs> um, I would just say, honestly, just seeing my progress and everything, like I look like an NBA player. You know what I mean? Like my body looks like like when I when I go places, like people know I'm an athlete just because of the the stuff that comes with it. Like we have a nutritionist, we have a psychologist, we have 24 acts 24 7 access to the gym. We have trainers that are on call at all times. So just having, you know, the ability to you know, invest in my body and and have the money to be able to invest in my body is is awesome because I mean you only get one you know and I'm trying to play for a long time and just seeing my transition from college to to pro with just me mentally physically emotionally has just been awesome. Mm-hmm. What about the biggest shock about getting to the NBA? Like, what's the thing that kind of you were like, holy shit! Mm-hmm. Like this is the not what I expected. Shock. Um, I would just say like the amount of games there are, man, like it's crazy. It's really, and just, especially in my, in my role as being our best defender, like every night I got to be on or I'm going to be on top 10, you know, like just, you know, you got to guard Brown on Monday you might have Giannis on Wednesday, then I gotta go go play small ball five with Jokic on third. Like it's crazy, and I think just that was that was like the wake up call to me. Like, oh man, like you gotta be on your game every night, or you gonna get abused out there. And you know that's one thing that the world loves to see is you know when people make fun of it uh make a fool of themselves or or do something which is crazy but that's just that's that's what comes with it so just trying to just uh be on my a game every night because you know everybody has bad days but you can't afford to have those well well you've already done that haven't you didn't weren't you the were we playing the clip in college that you slapped down the floor that was you right yeah yeah <laughs> and what happened yeah, you dunked, dunked I, on or something no. So <laughs> this is when I knew the, the media was some BS, right? So I played the last probably five games of my senior year with a torn labrum and my shoulder would pop out during the game. I would just slide it back in, you know, like I'm it's senior year. This is my last time trying to make the tournament. I'm playing. And so we played Nebraska and it goes into double overtime. And I went for a, a rebound and my shoulder came out. And so they get the offensive rebound and get it back at the top of the key. And my, I'm just in total pain. So like just to get myself hyped up and not think about it, I slapped the floor. As soon as I slapped the floor, dude took off, ran right <laughs> past me. And so after the game, like I go to the locker room, I'm like, coach, I can't, I can't play no more. Like my shoulder's coming out too many times. Like that's it. And the media just blew the whole story up. Jay Sean Tate ends his, uh, ends his senior year by slapping the floor and hurts his own shoulder. And so I was on Shaq and the Food. I went viral. <laughs> People like uh, sending me the memes for like months. I'm like, y'all, y'all don't even know. Like I'm out there really just trying to, trying to get back in the game, win the game. But, you know, it's all fun the game. All publicity is good publicity. So 
Oh, we were just laughing at it because you slapped the floor. He went right by you. We, I didn't even know that backstory about your shoulder being out. But I just we we just yeah. I think, I think we I think did we play it in a we might have played it in a film session laughing at you or something. Someone played it, but it was like. JT, what are you doing, man? He slapped the floor and he just went right by you and laid, laid it up and put it in the basket. He went but- right by me. I'm like, man. He actually played in the, he plays over there in the NBL. Who was it? That's Webster's little brother. It was Webster. Uh, oh, was it? Yeah, Taj, yeah, yeah. Taj yeah, it was Webster. Ty, Ty Webster, yeah, yeah. Ty, it was Ty. Oh, and nice. I, I was like, you mother, <laughs> you you were scared. I was like, you were scared. But it was, it was all good. But it, I just thought it was funny how, you know, the media kind of always, you know, sometimes makes a story out of nothing. What's your mindset around the season, the couple of seasons you've had with losing? Um, how have you coped with that? I, I know obviously the, the positive is you're playing and you had an opportunity because you weren't winning early on in your in your Houston career. But I mean, how have you, you mentioned that you had a young team that probably at times is a bit loose considering your record, which must be frustrating. But I mean, how are you, how are you coping with the losing? Uh, you know, losing doesn't get easier. At least it's not supposed to, and I and I'm making sure that you know we don't um, get used to it. You know, it's you know coming into the league, I came into a situation where you know guys were leaving, and you know we were you know people call it a rebuild. Um, so you know it's been it's been some growing pains, but I really believe that you know these last couple of years um, with our core, we've gotten um, better. And that's all I care about is just like as long as we can get better um, every year. We have the talent. Everybody sees, you know, the talent we have. Um, it's just taking us a little time to get it together. And, um, you know, this offseason has been really great. Um, we got everybody in the gym together just putting in work. And um, I'm really excited. I think I think I know that we're going to be better this year than last year. Yeah, it's- this is where where the money's made. I mean, the year I had from Golden State when we first got there, we we made it a, a goal of ours to win summer league. And as stupid as that sounds, um, it was influential in where the war. I'm not saying it was the be all and end all, but it was a big part of the process of getting the Warriors to where they are today, um, that are consistently at the top of the league. Because we're like, you know, if we've got a basketball game, whether it's summer league, whether it's a practice game, we need it. We're not good enough to be you know, the Cavs at the time or Miami or these teams that can be like, eh, it's summer league. We'll just, you know, we'll work our way through it. Oh, it's preseason. The games don't matter. We were like, no, we're going to try to, we're going to try to win all this. We're going to try to win summer league and, and we ended up winning a trophy in summer league. And then we try to go undefeated in preseason. I think we, we did, but um, it didn't eventuate into a championship immediately, but it was a mindset shift. And it sounds like <clears throat> that's kind of where you guys are at. You need to Take those games seriously and, and treat it professionally. Um, pro, I mean, you, you probably experienced that too with with Dallas and your times there. Of you know, there are times where, where people laugh off summer league and laugh off um, preseason games, right? Yeah, without question. And it's an opportunity that you know, I don't think players understand the opportunity that's given to them, like in preseason and in summer league, because for a lot of those players, that's the only way they're going to be evaluated for their rookie year because they may not get into real NBA games, you know, for a consistent, a consistent streak, probably until year two or three. And they don't understand. They laugh that stuff off and they think it's not really that important, but it really is because that's the only way they're going to get into any type of a groove in a even close to an NBA setting. And I think that's really important because it, it helps your team. I don't, I don't care if you're a lottery team, a championship team, if, if, you know, it's good for the individual and it's great for the team, especially 
those three or four young players that are sort of trying to play together and learn each other, you know, because every team's a little bit different how they're, how they're built. So it's interesting, but yeah, I see the improvement for those guys for sure though. I, I, I just, Sean, I, I definitely, you know, I definitely see what you see as far as the young kids and, you know, everybody's trying trying to work through struggles and get better and get together and, and get better. It's just, um, it's a very consistent process of just sort of, you know, you got to just, it can't come yesterday. It's a really good fucking league. Like in college, you you probably had those five bums you played against before Big Ten season, right? You know, you don't get that in the NBA. You don't get that night off. You know, you, it doesn't matter if they're the last team in the league. Look, look at the Orlando Magic. You sleep on those guys. You think, oh, wow, they're the Orlando Magic. And they could beat you by 15, even though they're not a very good NBA team. Because NBA, every team's got at least two or three NBA players on it, if not 15. But, like, you don't get those nights off a lot. In college, you do pre-conference pre, pre you know pre-conference season. So I think all these games are important. And I think individually, as a pro, they have to be important, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. What's what's the next step for you, JT? I mean, I know I've read you're putting even even more work in with your three ball. Obviously, that's probably you know something you need to probably get to uber confident level where you're where you're making them trying to scratch the surface for forty percent. Um, as we spoke about earlier, I know I was talking to you a couple of days ago. You were in the gym, but I mean, are you? What's a goal for you for next season? I would assume solidifying that starting spot. Yeah, um, just basically just. Working on my complete game, especially, you know, my passing. You know, people are talking about my shooting, but I, I really believe that I could be an, an elite passer. And um, I passed some talks with Draymond, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's celebrating right now, but I'm supposed to get with him um, over this summer and uh, just watch some film and, and just learn from him, man, because what he does is special. And, you know, we have similarities and I'm just trying to trying to be the best I can be. And, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that he's willing to help. And, um, yeah, I've just been in Houston, uh, just working out with the team and working out with my trainers um, every morning and, you know, just getting better, man. Um, this is actually my first year where I can just really just go to work and, and train and and not think about anything else. You know, last couple of seasons. I was worried about making the team and on non-guaranteed deals and, you know, trying to just be around. Whereas this year I'm taking more of an approach of just focusing on um, working on me, working on my skill, but also just still being a voice and being around for our young guys. Cause we got a lot of, a lot of youngins um, that are still around here working out and we're going to get even more in a couple of days. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I think, um, we're all we're all pulling for you. Uh, it is a, a, a contract year for you, so make sure you don't do those standard contract things like most guys and just try to get your numbers up and never win a game. Um, which I, there's no doubt you you won't you know you're not going to do that. But uh, I think we're all pulling for you to to try and get a long term deal. Um, I, I I don't think you have any um, concerns there. I think whether it's in Houston or somewhere else, um, people know your value now, and we hope you uh, continue this journey on. Um, we appreciate. You joining us, telling your story. I hope people got a lot out of this. I think it's a very unique story, and I think that um, we'd love to see you back in the NBL one day, man. Only with the Sydney Kings, all right? Yeah, we're going. We're going to make that happen for sure, man. <laughs> and we'll get you out here eventually to do do some sort of clinic with Pro. Um, Pro. Pro already knows all the good all the good food spots 
even though he's never been here. Um, but yeah. Yeah, hopefully you can get a better joke next time, but I appreciate that, folks. That's a great job. <laughs> you put all the good Jay Sean, who's your, tra- who's your trainer, Jay-, Jay Sean? You said you have a trainer out there. Yes. Who do you uh, like to work with? Stefan Martinez, a.k.a. Dig Deep Basketball. Um, man. Oh, yeah, I, he, I sent him to China and he quit after a week. I do know Stefan. I actually had a meeting <laughs> with him like three. I had a meeting with him like three years ago at a Starbucks about three blocks from my house. He begged me to get him to China. I get that. I get him there. And he like goes home after a week. So tell him I said, what's up? <laughs> and, I, and I, and I want my fucking, I want my R and B back that he fucking, they supposed to pay him for oh, fucking. Oh man, that is hilarious, years, you know? man. It's yeah. such a small world. I swear it is. No doubt. No doubt. Fair enough, even though. Small when you go home. Fair yeah, enough. Even it, small it, when you go home after a week. It is China, bro. So fair enough. I mean, geez. You know, it's it's a tough place, tough place to play. Like <laughs> we had Ian, we had Ian Clark here, uh, and he had some some really interesting stories about his time there uh, a couple of seasons ago with the COVID stuff, and they locked him in a hospital room for two weeks when he landed, just like crazy stuff. So you you, you can't you can't hate too much, bro. I mean, he probably got there and was like, what, what is going on here? This is tough. They, they don't pay me enough, but I hope you got your commission, bro, uh, bro, out of that. Uh, fuck no, I didn't. I just will never I recommend him for a job again, but I appreciate his working with Jay Sean over there. <laughs> hopefully he can turn that. Sh- hopefully he doesn't quit after two weeks trying to get that shot up. Oh, so that's oh, good. Oh my God. I can't wait. <laughs> nah, to nah, nah. Okay. No, <laughs> seriously though. Um, what are you doing specifically? Jay Sean? I know you said you don't want to specifically say, okay, shooting, 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 but like what specific things are you doing? Cause yeah, I, I ran player development for the Mavericks for six years, been in player development for a while. I, I like to hear sort of what players philosophies are of what they're trying to work on specifically in the off season with your shooting. Is it any tweaks changes or are you just going to get reps up and hopefully it just goes up a little bit year in and year out. What sort of, what's your plan on that? Um, a little bit of both. Um, I feel like, like I said, this is the, the first year I really just got to concentrate on, on my game. So, um, with just being able to shoot more reps consistently. Um, mm-hmm. I used to thumb the ball a lot. And just with shooting, I'm seeing that the more I shoot, the less and less I'm starting to thumb it with my with my guy hand. And mm-hmm. um I, I'm seeing I'm seeing results just from not thumbing the ball as much. Um other aspects is just, you know, that Bruce Brown short row mm-hmm. push shot floater. Like I think that's just something that is going to be beneficial to me because I, I am a great at the rim finisher, but mm-hmm. I think that that little, you know, gray area between the free throw line and not really at the rim, if I could, you know, solidify that shot, um, which I have done in my career, I just got away from it when I, when I got here, I, I shot a lot of them more when I was overseas mm-hmm. and, and just trying to implement that more into my game because I, I think that, uh, that shot is going to be available a lot sure. in our style of play. And uh, my right hand, just being, you know, if if I don't need my right hand to be like my left hand, but just being more comfortable using it and not depending on my life, left hand that much. If I can get mm-hmm. just a couple percentages better with my right hand, um, it's going to just make everything else a, a lot easier. What I would suggest for that, seriously, because that's what I, I special, specialize in with weekend development, try to go about seven or eight straight minutes shooting nothing but right-hand shots. A lot of times players that try to work on their weekend, they'll shoot like 10 reps over an hour, not even in a row in which you can never get better at that. Mm-hmm. Just shoot. 
I would shoot 20 to 25 spots, seven shots per spot. I don't care where it is, glass, no glass, but just make sure that you're doing about eight or nine minutes in a row of those shots to end a workout, to begin a workout. It really starts to make a huge impact in your touch. Trust me, it'll work. Appreciate that. Yeah, tell and tell Stefan Martinez I'll invoice him for that too. So he can uh <laughs> so when he get back. No, seriously, all seriously, he's a good kid. Like Boke said, China's a tough fucking place. It's not for everybody. When I go over there, I you know, I travel a little bit different with Nike than he probably had to travel with. I, I like to bust balls about it, but no, he's a good kid. He works hard. Um, I heard nothing but good things about it. I'm glad mm-hmm. he's having a positive impact in your career, though. Seriously, man. And so it, you're a great story because you worked your ass up, Bokes had the Australian deal with you. Uh, I just see you from the NBA, you know, from the NBA standard of like, you know, you're 6'4", you're a strong kid, you work hard. You know, a lot of guys that are like you don't get opportunities that, you know, had good college careers, not great ones. Then you have to play in Belgium, come back. It's uh, Australia and then come back with that. It's a, you know, come from behind story, which is great. And I'm, I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad you're seeing some getting a real opportunity in Houston. Steven Silas is one of the smartest coaches I've ever been around. He was with me in Dallas for a year. I think he's fantastic. I'm glad that you guys are together and, you know, wish you the best. Appreciate that. Appreciate it, man. Uh, keep working. Uh, can, you can find Jay Sean on Instagram. You on, and you're on Twitter, but you're more Insta- more active on Instagram. So give him a follow um, with those NBA NBA lifestyle shots. I see you posting on there. Um, but other than that, we appreciate you joining Rogue Bows. And, and I, know, I know all the Kings fans were pumped when um, when we said we're getting you on this week. So they're, they're looking forward to to listening to this one. So appreciate your time, man. I appreciate it, man. It's always a pleasure. <laughs>